Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, she podcasts using the ATR2100 microphone, Leanne Hughes. Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you create unpredictable workshop experiences that predictably work. Now, on last week's show, we had Charlotte Blair. Now, Charlotte works for the Strengths Partners. She's obsessed with the Clifton Strengths tool, so much more so than me. I thought I was obsessed, but she's on, on it at a whole new level. We had a really fantastic conversation on how she leverages her strengths in business and in her facilitation. And she shared some really awesome workshop activities as well. Now, it's been a while since I've given you an update on the Virtually Possible program. I think, I don't know how many episodes ago, but my co-collaborator, co-partner, Yuri Shilders, Yuri the Magic Source, And I was talking a lot about the process of building this program. And I thought I'd bring Yuri on again today. We've just wrapped up the Virtually Possible program. It's actually really quite sad to know that that it's all wrapped up. But like all great facilitators do, it's time to have a debrief. So I thought, why not record this live, record our debrief and give you some insight into what it was like to start, deliver, and then wrap up the program. So Yuri, I'm so glad to welcome you back on the show. I think it's like your third or fourth cameo. So welcome back. Well, thank you for having me again, Leanne. And how exciting is it that we finished this program so quickly? It just flew by way too fast. And I think we feel like proud parents, right? It's like, oh, Mm. we've just seen, I think, a real joy for me, just not to jump right in, but I am actually. (laughs) A real joy was we had a closing ceremony on last week. And as I looked around the gallery view of that, to see everyone's like great camera framing and backgrounds and hear the audio that was coming through, see the improvement in gestures and and plus, I think the community vibe was buzzing. It was a lovely moment. How did you feel? Oh, absolutely. I think, so the program at the end of the day, we started off with saying, let's create a, like an online training, a virtual training. It turned out to be a learning plus doing experience. So we had this, these learning modules that people got. And then on the back end of that, we built this community where people got together in a, in a sandpit. They could play together and say, hi, I'm working on this. Can you help me out? And that shown through that conversation, particularly at the end, because I think people were, they were just so excited to be part of that. And I think they met lots of new people. I think they shared many different ideas. And one of the things that I got back, I remember in the beginning, people saying that they felt very comfortable sharing these things because they mm-hmm. didn't feel threatened by anything. And that community is at the end of the day. That's where people really, really learn. And that's where they really made big progress. So community all the way is what I say. Yeah. And if you're listening and you've heard the previous episodes with Yuri, I'd be curious if you've detected a change in our relationship. And because we've we've got to know each other a lot, strengths, weaknesses. You've seen really like grumpy Leanne, uh Leanne. Not at all. <laughs> well, not as vibrant. I, I've been sort of balancing a lot of things and I wanted to talk about Let's talk about co-facilitation. Now, Yuri, you've got an agency and you've co-facilitated all around the world. I'm the opposite. I've really just been a solo facilitator. So for me, I have loved this, having a partner in crime, someone you can lean on, bounce ideas off, debrief, talk through. It's been a real novelty for me. What does co-facilitating mean for you? It just means carrying the load together. Facilitation is a is an artful skill. I think it's a it's a skill in terms of you can learn things, you can learn to facilitate, and basically anybody could really do with facilitation skills. We talked about this before, but I don't think you have to be a facilitator or a trainer 
or a consultant to be a facilitator. I think facilitation, in other words, bringing people together and getting them from A to B in an easier or faster or smoother way is something that everybody could really use, I think, if you're working with other people. And the nice thing when you're with a co-facilitator is one, it's more fun. Two brains know more than one. And three, you're carrying the load together because there's usually a lot going on. And particularly, think about a virtual session. You're looking at a screen of 15, 16 people. There's a chat going on at the side. There's people trying to log in. You're trying to show your slides. There's a lot going on. And it's just easier with somebody else there. You can riff off each other. You can use each other. You use each other's strengths and weaknesses. Like you just said, I've been working with other people for years. And I've always seen the power of getting just somebody else in there you and, and somebody you really gel with right because mm-hmm. you can play on the dynamics of your personalities and i think we've done that brilliantly well for somebody you know who i haven't even known that long we hit it off super well and first of all i'm very grateful for that that you took a chance on me and mm-hmm. i know you just said like oh, a bit grumpy i think we just have different energy levels and part of being with another facilitator is to be able to pick up on each other so sometimes somebody gets a bit stuck or your energy is a bit low well that's why you got your co-facilitator to pick you up it's 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 your buddy so I would highly recommend people to work more with other people and you can because facilitation is super important. It's also, there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. And uh, yeah, look, I'm all now for, for co-facilitation. I thought it was awesome. And even when we did that group interview with Mark Bowden, as we hung up, I had like eight other people that we just debriefed what, what went on. And I just love sharing that experience with other people. It's, it's why I'm sort of drawn to the game um, of, of what we do. Now, what we're still discovering, though, uh, well, first of all, before I talk about the fact that there are still, like, we've just been looking at WhatsApp videos of friends that are sitting on virtual workshops and sending us these videos and going, I'm so bored. So there's still a massive need. Surely, I know if you're listening in, you're already creating some great and using some interesting tools in your workshops. It's the other people, though, that, the other people, the others, that sounds awful, but I still talk to a lot of people in businesses who are just like, we're on these calls, getting on a call is a default option. Surely we can run other things in a live WebEx, Teams or Zoom meeting. It's just that fatigue is really setting in. Totally. Look, why, why do you bring people together in the first place? Why do people have meetings? I guess it's to do something, right? You want people actively involved in the conversation. And whether that means taking notes or sharing some input or making a decision or giving their opinion, but everybody needs to be actively involved. And one of the things that we both have been seeing over the weeks that so few meetings actually involve people. They'll have eight people dialed in. And as always, there's two people talking. It's usually the people with the biggest paycheck. They'll do all the talking and they just hijack an entire conversation. And it becomes a monologue. Well, if all you're going to do is present your thinking of something, there's nothing wrong with that. But could you not just send people a video, save everybody the time and the pain of sitting on a, on a two-hour call where people are sitting there thinking, why am I here? And this is two hours of my life. I'm never getting back, which is horrible. So there's still, there's still so much to do in that regard. And I think if business took a step back and say, if you just think for a second, just, just a monetary value of, of thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours of people sitting there, bored out of their minds, meetings that don't really lead to anything, meetings that could have just been done with a simple video or an email or something else. Like That is so much money and energy wasted. And the worst thing is, what costs business even more is cynicism. If meetings become known as a complete waste of time, well, think about it, then the whole organization is going to go like, oh, I've got another bloody meeting tomorrow and I just have to be part of that. But I know it's not going to lead anywhere. So I'm just going to sit there and drink a margarita and pretend that I'm interested. And people just become cynical and that 
that's just such a bad thing because that is very harmful for business. I think it is. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. And we've shown that. Like, you don't need a lot. You don't need a miracle. What you need is a facilitator, somebody to take the reins and says, let's make this work. And somebody who's got a couple of tools, a couple of skills, a bit of confidence to take charge and to rethink the way you interact and to, you know, challenge things like how long a meeting needs to be. What do you put in them? It doesn't always have to be size and presentation. And it's exactly what we've been doing with Virtually Possible. Yeah, completely. And what I want to do is share a bit of insight into our process. I I think in in the previous episode, we talked about how we're building it and marketing it. And if you hadn't listened to that, what Yuri and I have done is we met through the podcast. A couple of weeks later, I reached out. I was getting a lot of people messaging me saying, hey, you're running virtual facilitation training. And I didn't have it, didn't have the capacity to create it either. So I thought I'd ask Yuri because of his work and innovation and just his cool style and his awesome videos, which check out his YouTube, YouTube channel, by the way, The Magic Source. It's amazing. And um, then we just put something out to the market, created a few videos, a landing page, and we had 50 people enroll into the program. So when that happens... Paid people, paying people. Yeah, oh, yeah. People actually invested in it, yeah. People actually paid us for a concept and then our approach was ready, buyer, and then aim. So we had to scramble together and a lot of our communication, we didn't send emails. It was all over WhatsApp through videos, audio notes, uh, collaborative documents like using Google Docs to track dates and, and everything else. And we very quickly learned what our unique strengths are and what we brought to the program and also weaknesses, things that we didn't like. So let's talk us let's re- talk through the process of building it. The first thing I wanted to do was I'm always excited about the launch. Like I get excited about the marketing and the launch. And then when it comes into maintenance and delivery, not so good. That's why you really picked it up. But we started with an opening ceremony. That was really fun. Yeah, it was great. We basically picked a topic that was super relevant for people and we asked them to join. And I think the best thing about doing that is, first of all, it was fun for us to work together because I think that was the first proper us to in public, I think, yeah. right in front of other people. So we'd be like, okay, let's, it's a bit like learning how to dance, I guess. I don't even dance, but something like you have to figure out what somebody, how somebody moves and what's that like and let's yeah. get a feel for each other. But I think people love the dynamic uh, of us and getting back to the point before we work with the co-facilitator. And I think that really shone through that live session. And we got a lot of people to go, if this is what it's going to be like, if this is your energy and if this is your engagement level and with a dash of humor and practicality, I want to be part of that. And mm. I, th- I think that was such a big thing to do. And it's a good example of, you know, show them, don't tell them. And this is us showing to them how we work. And we were working in a virtual setting all this time. Yeah. And it's funny for anyone that runs train the trainer programs, you probably have the same pressure on you, right? Because you're training people how to train. It's very meta. So if you're running a program on virtual facilitation, you've kind of got to be, there's pressure on you then to be like, okay, cool design. What, what tactics are we using? What engagement are we, are we bringing? But it really comes back to the basics. And I mentioned him again, Mark Bowden, talking about leading with energy. And I think that was one of the biggest takeaways. So how the program ended up working was that We opened a community on a, it wasn't Facebook groups, it was a platform called Circle. And one of the participants said, it's a very extrovert platform. There's a lot of of fun and videos and notifications that are going off. We had different channels based on on different topics. And twice a week, we would drip feed some video content about a module, issue a challenge every week, which, what did you call the challenge? Challenge of the week or the cow, get it? Challenge of the week. Can you share maybe one or two, if you can remember what some of the challenges were? So one of the big things for virtual facilitation is people say, hey, we want people to turn on their video. Video seems to be a big barrier to lots of people. So we thought if you want to facilitate it, lead by example, 
maybe it's a great way to learn to communicate through video. What Leanne just said is like you and I have been communicating through WhatsApp video. And rather than sending an email, we just send a quick video showing something like, hey, I've been working on this year, have a look. And we challenge people to just get in the habit of creating short and quick videos just for friends and family at first or their partners. But just get into the habit of it because I think video is such a powerful tool, but also it, it enables them to communicate with their audience in, in different ways, even before their virtual sessions or afterwards. So that was one. I think the other one, another one that we had on there was think about a really strong way to start and a really strong way to end your sessions. I played in bands for many years and I know that kind of your first song and the last song, they have to be super, you have to go with a bang. You yeah. have to come in with a bang, you have to leave with a bang. And I think meetings should be like that as well. Have a really strong beginning, a really clear opening, uh, something that grabs people's attention and land it, like get a clear call to action at the end we ask people to share their favorite ways of doing that so those are just a couple of challenges yeah, love, that we had in I there. love because uh, I think I certainly like I said I love starting so I always worry about the start but the, the cool down routine is so important as well and I think something that I shouldn't share away all the surprises but one thing that we did do was Yuri brought in a wave of the week so every time we had these sandpit <laughs> sessions the opening closing ceremonies we'd do all do this learn this new wave and would bring it in so it's just <laughs> the wow the wow we had a cow challenge of the week and we had the wow the wave of the week yeah and guess what everyone like this was not planned this stuff evolved in the moment i think the wave of the week i think you just invented that like five minutes before we kicked off yeah. the opening ceremony use things like cool music and i think the other thing we did was we gave because yuri and i with different time zones we can't be up all night or all day running these sessions so we actually got members of the community and again, this was a new thing. We just thought of it. Like, why don't you, it's like a, yeah, just lead it. So if you want to run a session or try a tool, just put your prompt in there and see who comes along. And that was awesome as well, seeing communities sort of take leadership and ownership on their learning. I love that. Well, that was the whole thing about, you know, us not, we don't have to be behind the steering wheel all the time. If you want to create a community, then people can play an active part in that community. And a couple of people just stepped up and said, for instance, hey, on Friday, I'm going to be using this new, online whiteboard called X. Here's a link. Does anybody want to hop on and just figure this out with me? And that's where the power comes from. Because again, learning is great. I think we did a really good job of putting together really pertinent and engaging learning modules, but it's the sandpit. It's the, it's the playing around with it that really made a difference. And it didn't always have to come from us. We led by example as always, but it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to see uh, people stepping up and just just grabbing the ball by the horns and just saying, I'm going to run this and I'm going to own this because that's what the community is all about, I think. Yeah, and I agree. And having, I guess, we're in different time zones. You're two hours behind and you're an evening person. I'm a morning person. Mm -hmm. So that was good. Like another reason to co-facilitate with someone just that has, like just bringing in that diversity and so we could run different sessions across different times. We used a cool acronym in the closing ceremony. I've, I've talked about it before on the podcast. It's a workshop prompt. I think it was written by Lisa Evans in Dr. Catherine Lloyd's book, The Story Cookbook. Now, Catherine's been on the show before. She was a member of Virtually Possible. And the tool is SIFT. It's an acronym. Uh, it stands for Stuff Ups, Insights, First Times and Transformations. We won't go through the whole list, but Yuri, is there anything that you thought you stuffed up that was an insight of first time or a transformation that you want to share with listeners? Oh, absolutely. So first of all, I stuff up a lot that is part of trying new and different things. And I think before I tell you which example it was, I think by showing 
that you two stuff up, you're allowing other people to do the same. It's kind of going, hey, that didn't quite work the way I thought it was going to work. And that's okay. Let's roll with the punches. And I think we let that by example. One of them was I did a live session by myself and I tried to have like three different cameras on and show people things. And, you know, I had my headset here and the headset was connected to the computer, but then it wasn't to my phone, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the midst of trying to juggle all those things while I was showing around my lighting setup, I forgot to hit record. So what we do with the live sessions is even if people are not part of the live sessions, they can't make it for whatever reasons, because I know we have other things to do. We always make sure there's a recording so people can go back later on and say, uh, interview with Mark Bowden. We had Wout from Mural to show how the online whiteboard Mural works. We also record him, but that was a good one where I just... I, I try to do too many things, and then, of course, I forgot to record. or Something like that will inevitably happen. What was yours? Oh, so many. <laughs> Just your prompt reminded me of that book, The Checklist Manifesto. One thing that I do before every podcast interview, I'm so scared of that happening to me, that not hitting that record button. And it hasn't happened mm. yet, touch wood, but it is. It's like something that's on my screen. I've got like a post-it note, like hit record, hit record. Stuff-ups would probably be my contribution to your amazing videos so how our modules worked okay before we kicked off I knew I had a project coming up so I hired a video guy we spent about a few hours together I did some prompts for our community channel so that looked awesome and Yuri picked it up and made it seem like we were in the same room or just two tv broadcasters working together it looked awesome I'll hopefully I'll put a link to maybe one of the videos in the show notes because it yeah it's outstanding it. your editing work but then when it came to actually running the modules we were recording on the go and we had a mural uh, was it Miro brainstorming session where we had okay these are the nine different modules and here's our sequence and I tried I got this other camera it has a gimbal on it so it actually tracks your face I didn't know how to turn it off. I didn't have time to deal with it. I got really frustrated with it. It's now sitting in the background. I will get it out one day. So then I reverted back to the phone. And then one time I missed a deadline and I was traveling on site. So there's this video of me. I'm in this, it's a crib hut. No, not a crib hut. A, it's called a donger in Australia, which is basically a mine site camp accommodation, fluorescent lighting, blue curtains in the background and I had to film this video and it was about getting in state and I think I'd worked like a 13 hour day I had to get up at 4 a.m the next day and it was like the irony of it but do you know what was interesting like I set it up I put like the chair on the bed to get the elevation tried to do whatever I could with lighting but it's just more a case of what I just preach about in the podcast start where you are use what you have and do what you can um yeah. and because it was about getting in state I had to role model that but I don't know if I want to watch it. I haven't watched it back. But thank you for dealing with me. And like, no worries, I, you're no. at such a different level when it comes to video. By the way, for the listeners here, Leanne has saved me in lots of other situations as well because I have things that I am really not good at. I don't enjoy doing them. And they just happen to be, often be things that Leanne's like, I got this. Good. That's yeah. why you work with somebody else. What are some insights? I think the insights are... Being comfortable with what you talked about before, and we joke about it, being a bit more lazy. Whenever you open a community or a course, I think there's suddenly this pressure on you to make it work. And the way that I perceive making it work is being online, like all the time, answering every single question, posting all these calls, like just over delivering. Now that can actually overwhelm people and something yeah. I'm going to be really cautious about. So that's an insight for me and I'm still playing with it. I've still got to remember what I love though is like if I was lazy, I'd wake up in the morning and people had contributed and started conversations. Yeah, I just, that's a good insight. How about you? 
um, heaps of insights. I think at the end of the day, it's the biggest insight here is to just play with it. I think a lot of people, for instance, around technology were a bit apprehensive. Mm. This is like, oh, I don't know how this works. And this looks really intimidating. And I think just by reminding them, and I think I said at one point, remember when you first started driving a car? It's a bit like that. You know, in the beginning, I, I remember when I first started driving, I thought I could never learn this. this is, there's so many things going on. How can I learn how to drive? And there you are a couple of months later, not even thinking about it. And I think it's the same here. So it's all about doing it. I agree. And I don't agree with everything Yuri says, by the way. We do have dis- not disagreements, but I'll, we'll challenge each other. We'll call each other, which is good. I think that's really important when you have a working relationship with someone. I don't know what I called you out on. Was it a video thing? But um, we, yeah. We Just had a miscommunication a, thing. I remember yeah. what it was because that was the video you talked about when you did a 13-hour shift. You're in a, a room that's not optimal. You're cranky. It didn't really work. <laughs> I basically went like, hey, can you just shoot this video? Because... I shoot videos in one take because I do them all the time. So I don't think about it. So for me, it's just like, hey, why are you there? Shoot a quick video. What I didn't realize that for you at that point of the day, your energy is low, stuff isn't working out well, the, the environment isn't right. It was a much bigger task. So when I then the next day, I didn't use it as something, was it again? Something like yeah, that. I think, yeah. You were a bit like, why did you give me this deadline and stuff? And I'm like, that was a complete misunderstanding. I wasn't giving you a deadline. That was not what I meant at all. I wasn't, I wasn't challenging you or anything. So yeah, but then you call people out on it and you talk about it. That's that's how you do things. That's how it's how you work together. And we said that the reason I did that and felt comfortable doing that was well, first of all, we talk about it on the show all the time. Is like feedback is important, like having a convers- open conversation. That's what we do as facilitators. But I think it was because we set those rules up front very early on. Was like, okay, if you've got something to say, please just tell me. Don't skirt around it. And you know, yeah. you, you joke that you're Dutch and you're okay with it. But I think, yeah, definitely working with you. What you see is what you get which is very refreshing. Well, thank you. What's the F stand for? Do we still have an F and a T? First time. First time. I think the joy for me of, like I said before, just I remember the first call we had, it was a sandpit session and it was all about giving feedback on backgrounds and cameras and all things like that. And I remember putting in people into breakout rooms and if you're listening and you're running breakout rooms, you'll know what's interesting about timing is you've got no idea to really indicate if the conversation is going off or not, unless you sort of slip in, you know, on mute. I didn't want to interfere, but I remember bringing everyone back because we were about to hit time and, you know, that countdown was going on and people came back and they're like, oh, wow, you had to drag us out of that breakout room. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then everyone is providing feedback. It was just super valuable. Like the tra- and like I said, the transformation then to see at the closing ceremony, everyone's beautiful lighting, backgrounds and sound. That's probably more transformation than a first time though. What about you? I get the community. I'm a very community-oriented person. I'd never actually built one online like this. So that, to me alone, using Circle, which is a fairly newish platform, which worked out really well, I think just, just building community around that. And also, and also seeing the benefits of doing that, because once you build that community, you can invite other people in, etc. So to me, it was a massive first-timer. Yeah, cool. So we've got Virtually Possible 2.0 coming on the 16th of October. We're going to run a five-day challenge leading into it. So what we'd love you to do is head on over to join.virtuallypossible.co. That's join.virtuallypossible.co. Yuri, what can people expect for the second time round? What's going to be bigger and better, different? Oh, that's a good question. So second time round, first of all, we've now gone through the first one. Like we said, it was ready, fire, aim. We gave it a go. We got feedback from people saying, hey, this worked brilliantly well. This didn't work brilliantly well. And I think we've taken all that in and we've 
streamlined it more. I think there's a lot more clarity about what to expect because we kind of built it as we went. First time we now have that in place. I think there'll be people from the first batch that now will be coming back in the second batch. So they'll they'll have gone through it. They have battle scars. They can tell stories and they're going to play with this new community that's coming in. And us will be coming up with, again, new ways to surprise and delight and learn as we go. We keep bringing in new and fresh ideas. And that to me is, is super, super exciting. It's a uh, I think it's the coolest virtual facilitation program ever. That's what I think. (laughs) I love it. You're so bold and you can say that. It's an absolute joy and a thrill to run it with the community and with you, Yuri. So we're excited about opening the doors again. If you're interested, hop on over to that page, join.virtuallypossible.co and uh, we'll see you in the challenge and hopefully see you in VP 2.0. Looking forward to it. Any, Any final messages, Yuri? If you want to make the world a better place, then this is a program to join. Nice one. Thanks, everyone. Hey, thanks so much for sticking around. You've reached the end of another episode of the First Time Facilitator podcast. Connect with the show at firsttimefacilitator.com or follow me on Instagram at Leanne Hughes to find out what I'm up to during the week. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with someone who will also appreciate the insight and make it easier for yourself and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and chat to you next week.